This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker episode 119, recorded on the 27th of November, 2019. On today's show, fantastic focus groups. If you enjoy the Camp Hacker podcast, we would love it if you subscribe to Camp Hacker in whatever podcast app you have on your phone. If you love us even more, you can give us a review on wherever you get this podcast and it will help more people find the show and let us know what we're doing that you like. This Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored in part by Rad Tags. Designed by a former camp owner and director, Rad Tags is about connecting people to who they are, the camp they love, and the accomplishments they experience there. Rad Tags bracelets and tags helps your camp community stay connected to their happiest place. Find out what Rad Tags has to offer your camp at zoic.ca slash rad. That's Z-O-I-C dot C-A slash R-A-D. Also, don't forget to visit Rad Tags at the ACA National Camp Conference. Be one of the first 50 people to booth 522 for a special gift from Rad Tags and Go Camp Pro. Rad Tags. Be and be known. Thanks for letting your awesome out, Camp Mavericks. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker Show. Hello, Camp Pros, and welcome to the Camp Hacker Podcast. My name is Travis Ellison. Uh, I'm a summer camp marketing and strategy consultant, and I do such things as the Summer Camp Professionals Group on Facebook, with this crew uh, and campmavericks.com. And welcome to the show. Hi, my name is Dan Weir and I work for the YMCA of Long Island. I've uh, worked for over two decades in YMCA camping and my current position, I bounce around all of Long Island developing their day camps. And my name is Gabrielle Real, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Oro. And Camp Oro is an all-girls camp where we focus on creating a positive female environment and we do that in French and in English. Welcome to both of you. Sorry that Joe can't join us. We got a chance to catch up with him for a second on the phone, and then he had to take off and do some family stuff. So um, great to see you both. And we're recording this on the eve of Thanksgiving in the States. So happy Thanksgiving, Dan. Um, Thank you. And uh, for all of those of you listening, just know that at this moment, we were thinking of you and all of your holiday preparations. Um, we... Uh, I don't know. All of a sudden got punchy. I'm not sure. Uh, what I what we're going to talk about today is actually a little more serious topic uh, in terms of its um, big effect on it can have on your camp and the way that your program runs. I want to speak today about the importance of running focus groups. And I'm going to introduce this idea um, before I throw to Dan and Gab and talk about this exercise that we often do, we do with all of our clients called Find Your Karen. And this is how I get camps to find the right people to come to focus groups. And we're gonna talk about lots of different ways and different groups to bring together, but I think this is kind of the first step. And so the exercise is called Find Your Karen. You can find it, um, we'll make sure that it goes in the show notes so you can download it, but it's Karen, uh, because our favorite ever camp mom is Karen Elliott, and we've, we just wanted to duplicate her. So we wanted to find more people like Karen uh, to do it. And so it'll give you some criteria to who to look for in your camp community to be the people that you want to duplicate. Doesn't have to be a Karen, could be a Ken. Um, gender's not important. I just, it was, for us, it was Karen. And um, I try to get my camps to find start with a small group, three, four, or five families that are um, sort of your best contributing families 
you can see in the exercise, some things to think about when finding it and then bring those people together. So we're going to say focus groups and you're going to think of um, focus groups that you've seen on TV shows with um, one-way glass and uh, like lots of psychological questions. And I think the focus groups for camps that are just beginning them can start with identifying a couple of families, maybe four, maybe five, and just having coffee with those people, taking them out and asking them some questions. I would say that what makes focus groups valuable is recording the information that you get and then thinking about ways that it can affect your programming, your hiring, et cetera. And I know, Dan, that in your new job, you're thinking a lot about focus groups. What sort of stuff is going through your mind? Yeah, you know, so for me, um, I'm 12 weeks into working here, and I'm coming into a situation where uh, I don't have the history of working at this camp, and um, I really want to find the essence of it. And um, not that I don't believe what I've currently gotten from the staff and from my own eyes is, is the essence, but just, you know, kind of this uh, thirst for information. So, um, so yeah, so I, I really believe in... Um, that parents know what they want, but they don't know how to articulate it. And um, a focus group uh, for me is bringing a group of parents together and really digging deep on that. And so the nice thing is, um, is that I'm actually not the director of the program, right? So like the, the parents trust me because I'm associated with the camp, but they don't know who I am. And I can have a, a pretty big conversation with them and wherever it goes, I keep it organic as possible. Uh, have some prompting questions going in there, but really, um, really uncover what's happening at the camp, you know? And so for a, a little while, um, uh, in one case, I was hearing from one director that, um, you know, we're priced too expensive, we're priced too expensive. Um, and that's why I hear from families. And then when talking with a group of families, it was actually, they, they saw the value in the overall price, but it was some of the other things that go on in camp that they thought were too expensive. So there's, there's a lot of clarity you could find beyond just these um, simple concepts of being too expensive or uh, parents don't trust you. Well, what part do they not trust about you? You know? And right. um, yeah, so I've, I've, I've had some really good moments um, in these. Um, um, I could go into how I run them, but uh, yeah, it, for me, I think it's uh, been the most valuable feedback. Um, and whether you agree with it or not, the feedback you get, it's your parents' perspective and yeah. just showing that you care and showing that you're working on it, that totally matters. And sometimes working on it is educating them. You know, that's the other mm -hmm. part too, is like, yeah. you're like, you find out that like, oh, we are doing that. Just nobody knows we're doing that. Right. Um, and that's the other thing that a focus group uncovers is that you don't necessarily have to change everything you're doing. You just have to change how you're saying it. You know, um, that's another thing that comes out. And also you can just find out what they like about you. Um, so you can right. protect it. Right. That's the other thing. So. Yeah, for sure. And Gab, I know that that Waro has history of, of running focus groups. Um, a mutual friend of all three of ours, Joanna Warren Smith, often talks about the lessons that she's learned from focus groups. Um, and I'm going to go to Gab in just a second, but I don't want to forget this one thing that Joanna says all the time that always fascinates me. Uh, in her focus groups, this happens every year, and I think she runs um, between 10 and 20 focus groups for camps every year. And one of the lessons that, that she's learned that is just so simple um, is that parents' biggest frustration when they are shopping for camps, so uh, when they're at that stage of shopping around for camps, is that camps don't return their call. That she will often have um, 
she will often have camps, families, I'm sorry, that have tried to connect with, try, basically tried to buy four camps before the fifth one returns their call. And it's such a simple lesson from these things, but such an incredible customer service opportunity. If you're a camp that simply answers the phone or return phone calls or returns emails, you are already so far ahead of some of your competition just by that simple customer service act. So um, that's a, a big thing I know that Joanna's got from hers. Um, Gab, for you folks, what sort of stuff did you focus on when you were doing focus groups? I think that's right there. It's a motivation. So what I, when I talk to colleagues and I talk about focus groups, often when they're being serious with me or real, they'll say, I, I kind of just don't want to hear what we're doing wrong. Yeah. yeah. And I really understand that. Um, so, but for me, my experience hasn't been, hasn't been that. Um, the benefits that we've gained out of, out of our focus groups is that our families get a buy-in it's marketing, mm-hmm. and we have a little bit of a better understanding of direction of where we should be going. So, for example, when we talk about, uh, we ask questions such as, what do you know about staff training? What do you envision our staff training looks like? Um, how many days yeah. are, is it? What topics do we talk about? So a lot of the times, they vaguely have an understanding. It's usually the average of what our families think. It's about two to three days of staff training. Um, they think basically we're setting up camp. And so I show them all of the subjects that we, that we do. I try to make sure it's not too long. Like it's a, I'm not trying to sell them anything. I'm just showing them what we, what we do. And then I asked them, is any of, would this have been interested, interesting to you? And unanimously our families are like, yes. So I asked, well, how would you like to get this information? Why would this be interesting to you? But I already know that this small group of individuals, if I sent out a newsletter they probably wouldn't have read it and they probably wouldn't have seen what we are doing, but because they're a captive audience, I'm able to sort of insert that information. And then I challenge them in saying, if I wrote that in a newsletter, would you read it? They sort of smile and say no. (laughs) Um, But we just, we, we brainstorm how, how we could get this there because it is important. So they're now part of what we're doing. There's a buy-in and they're giving me direction. So for the most part, if they're coming to your focus group, they are excited about your camp. And I'm not saying you should only bring people that have a buy-in to your camp. Yep. But what I'm saying is that it does create that buy-in. And, um, and I find it, the end, there's certain things that I will hear, like, well, you called me back within 12 hours. And I really appreciated that. You know, I never knew that was something that was important, but because mm-hmm. one of my families told me. So, uh, you know, there, it, it can, as Dan said, it can be really informal and uh, non-threatening, but I think some people are very nervous because they don't want to hear the negative. Yeah. And in all reality, usually um, they might have a little tips on things, but it's usually not. Uh, I haven't had an experience yet where, where families are upset. They're more excited to talk about their kids. And that's a tip that I would say is like, start talking about, tell us why you one up know. with talking yeah. about their kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I yeah. Think that's- um, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Dan, just one quick point. Um, I think that's really interesting. Like, I don't want to run focus groups because of the bad things I'll hear. More than likely, the people who will show up for a focus group are not people who have negative stuff to to say. And so that's, I, I would allay that fear. Um, the chances of hearing bad things are slim if there's someone who will commit some time to sitting down and talking to you. Sorry, Dan, what were you going to say? No, I just... Um... 
exactly what you, you said. And then also um, uh, with Gab, um, these people are uh, like, to quote two books, raving fans, right? Like these people really care and really want to see you succeed. And that, that's what a raving fan is. And then uh, the second is like, just exactly what Gab said, um, they're your sneezers. Um, that Seth Godin term where they'll take and spread the information out. Like I, I can't tell you how, um, like I've now, I, with one of the focus groups, I've just emailed a few times and they're, they're emailing back, go keep me in the loop, you know, and they're the ones that tell everybody and then, then they, they market for you, you know? Yeah. 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 And I would say that that's, I mean, we, Travis and I have talked about that often, but I do the same with my staff. And when we're trying to make policy changes or we're trying to go in a little bit of a different direction, I created a focus group and we talk about how do we, you know, deal with cell phones at camp or whatever you, you want to talk about with your, with your staff you create a focus group with them. But by the end of the conversation, there's a buy-in and we're, we're creating a direction, but they are talking to other people about it. And they're certain, they're the advocates and, um, and it makes that transition a lot easier. And I, you know, that, that the sneezers, as you say, for our families, the, the value in that is it's not, it's not tangible. You can't even put really a price tag on it, but there's such a captive audience that, um, you would never be able to express this through a newsletter or Instagram post or even a video. They learn the language in that focus group. They're developing that and they're able to trans, uh, translate it. And especially for camps that are having a hard time holding on to staff members. For me, this is a plan when you're talking to, to parents about our staff and their training and where do they go. You're planting those seeds that we want those parents to be sending their kids back to us as CITs and supporting them in their careers as camp professionals with us and not saying, no, it's time for you to get a real job. So sort of having that five-year plan of talking about certain things so that you're, you're building that base and you're building that language, I think is really helpful. And then getting them to help you with that direction is, is it just also builds your own confidence that you know you're going in the right direction. Right. Gab, when you've run uh, focus groups, what's the atmosphere? Where do you take them? When you bring them, like, what's the setup, the physical setup? I want to talk to specifics about the questions, but what's the physical setup that you do? I've done two different setups. So I've done, um, you know, in somebody's house where they've where mm. they've happily hosted us, and it's a it's a large home where either people you know have easy access to parking and et cetera, et cetera, and I've done restaurants. And the restaurant is uh, feel is is very nice, and it has a little bit of a different vibe where we're talking about one specific thing. Um, and the the home one is usually for our families. So the the families when we usually you know ask somebody from camp that has a house in that neighborhood that would be interested yeah. in hosting us, and usually they're excited about about outreaching to other people, mm. um, and just for some families to see that a family's hosting our event also just sort of gives us that extra points. And then the restaurants, restaurant pieces, something that we do with alumni or with our staff usually. Right. Right. This episode of the Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored by Rad Tags. Rad Tags is outfitting camps with personalized keepsakes that speak without saying a word. Rad Tags allows you to show someone they belong, building a relationship that goes beyond their last day at camp. With the goal of helping camps create awesome recognition and affiliate programs that last beyond the summer, Rad Tags is doing a monthly giveaway for GoCamp Pro listeners. 
Just email your answer to the following question to matt at gocamp.pro and be entered to win five silicone bracelets with the rad hand sign. Each month, we'll pick a new winner. This month's question is, how important are camp recognition programs to your legacy or camp tradition? Don't forget, email your answer to matt at gocamp.pro with rad tags contest in the subject line. Also, rad tags is coming to ACA National. Be one of the first 50 people to booth number 522 and shout out I'm a GoCamp Pro podcast listener for a special gift from RadTags and us at GoCamp Pro. To find out more about how RadTags can elevate your camp program, visit zoic.ca slash rad. That's Z-O-I-C dot C-A slash R-A-D. RadTags. Be and be known. Dan, what, what's the setup you're doing for your ongoing focus groups? Yeah, um, so the nice thing about the Y is that we have YMCA's I can use. Mm-hmm. So basically um, get about 10 people in a room. Um, we email out to um, select groups and just say, we just need one to two families from this group, one to two families from this group. And usually you get together 10 people pretty easily. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's good to go for at least 10 because then if you have a few cancellations, you know, you still get the consensus. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I, you know, it's funny. I, I kind of just run it like, as like, okay, we have, um, I, I actually come here for an hour. My goal is to get you out of here early. If, um, at that time, if you want to take off, you can, if not, I'll just stay here until the end. And the last one I ran went for two and a half hours. <laughs> oh yeah! I think I think four moms made best friends out of it. Um, yeah. It was really fun to watch. But um, I, you know, at the beginning of it, I, I talk about how um, we're here just to learn and to get better, become better. And you know, like I hope you came here um, wanting to share. And I want to let you know that um, there's. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to share some things about my own kids and share share some things about my life. And so you can understand where we're at and, um, and understand that I understand your time is valuable. So I'm going to keep this moving. And there might be occasionally a time where I say, you know, that is a, a really personal story or thank you for sharing that. I'm going to talk to you after the session. Right. Just know that um, the goal is just for us to have an organic conversation about what things are going well. And then, um, yeah, and then I always throw out an icebreaker just to get them talking. So, like, you mm-hmm. know, like, uh, it's cold now. So, like, if you could be anywhere warm, where would you be and why? And usually everyone you know, says something like Jamaica or Florida or something like that. And then um, uh, I'll lead right into the first question is something positive, just so they could get that fear out of their mind that this is going to be a negative session. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, just why do you send your kids to the camp? And um, as we get some responses... I will compliment them and say, thank you for sharing that. Um, does anyone else feel that way? Uh, kind of so they could see how the flow is going to go. And then, um, and then I asked some broader questions. You know, I, I could read through some of the questions I have, but to be honest with you, the last one I ran, I only got through two questions and then it was like, that was really it. So um, why do you choose to send your kid here? Anything we do to make your life easier? Um, what type of impact does the camp have on your child, on your family? Uh, how do you describe your kids camp experience to family and friends? What do we need to improve on? If we were closed, where would your kid go during the summer? Mm. Uh, are you, are we affordable for your family with registering? Um, do you prefer to register just one session at a time or do you want to buy everything at once? Um, is there a program or activity you like to see us offer? 
Is there anything that we didn't get a chance to talk about? You know? And so really the only two questions I definitely ask are the beginning positive one. And is there anything that you want to make sure you got to talk about? Um, I do my best always work in, like if we were closed, where would you go? So like when I start bringing up other camps, I'll say like, Oh yeah, you know, this was a question I wanted to ask. I just didn't know how to ask it. You know, like tell me, you know, like if we weren't open, where would you go? Um, and it's really insightful, you know, like the, um, I, uh, who you think your competition often isn't your competition, right. you know, like, uh, I, the last one I ran, I was, I was shocked. It was all camps and places I didn't even hear about. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Good to know. <laughs> Thanks. You know, like all my Google searching and all my, even anecdotes from the staff were completely off, you know? Um, so, um, so yeah. And the goal is just to make them feel good, um, and to respect their time. Uh, but the insights is just invaluable. I can't, I can't reemphasize enough, you know, like, um, their perspective is just as valid as your staff's. Sometimes they need to be educated like your staff's. Sometimes they need to be, they have their things answered. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, they're, they're sharing it because they like you, uh, because they want you to see you better. Even if they don't send their kids to you again, they want to see you improve. Right. So, right. Yeah. Uh, I love that you open up with a question about their kids. Uh, I will say just as by way of preparing yourself, if you're new to leading a focus groups, that I have yet to lead a focus group with parents where one parent didn't cry, um, where they were so touched by camp or um, when I, I always make sure one of the things I always ask them is what were you scared of before you, your kid came? And that's, that often makes people cry. I mean, it's just, it's connection to their kids. So it's, it's pretty close to the surface for them. It's easy to touch a, a nerve, but um, I have, it has made me tear up. I'm not a crier um, to hear parents talk about how campus impacted their kids, the change and they've seen their kids. So that is also um, a question that I always make sure I ask, what change have you seen in your children because of camp? And um, that one is is always really great. And that is, again, like Gab's, trying to find things that you can communicate back to other families from this meeting. That is a question I found really gets, um, good, honest, impactful responses. Were there some other questions, Gab, that you've asked of your, your families that, that Dan didn't mention? I asked them what, you know, what they're nervous about for their mm-hmm. children in the future. So, mm, you know, yeah. so what, you know, right now world is shifting, world is changing. What are some of the things that you're anxious about for them in university, out in the world? just to gain that sort of perspective and, and hear their anxieties. And, um, and I find that again, uh, some of the things we're on, we're on point with uh, at camp and some of the things it's the stuff that I haven't heard about and just have, just allowing them to uh, voice those things I find brings it back to the, the fact that we do care about their children in the future. And a lot of it has to be that their kids are alone. Their kids won't know how to do what they need to do at work. Their kids won't know how to do what they need to do in universities. And and it allows us to brainstorm, uh, well, what kind of network could camp help provide with that? What kind of support? Is that something that you see that would be helpful or useful in the future? And often with what you're talking about with families, you know, getting teary-eyed or emotional over their, their own children, a lot of, a lot of what we do at camp is that support. Um, yeah. And, 
and that's something that might not cross their mind. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for camps to expand past the physical site themselves. Um, But just asking about, you know, okay, your kid 15 years from now, where are they at? What are you nervous about? Um, Et cetera, et cetera. So just get helping us with that. And then I think um, when we're talking also about what parents are saying, this is a prime opportunity to get testimonials. So having somebody there typing everything up, um, I've brought cameras. And so afterwards I've asked people to restate what they've had to, what they've said. Um, I would have a little bit of a backdrop and um, they're usually very happy to do so. But if that's not the setting for you, or maybe that's not your camp's vibe, having somebody record the information and say like, you said this, we'd love to use it. Are you down for us using it? Um, that's a wonderful opportunity. Usually I have yet to have somebody say no. So um, having somebody record these sort of sound bites uh, yeah. is pretty awesome. And then you can also throw it out there and say in our, in our focus group, you know, this is, here are some of the comments and here's some of the stuff that we talked about um, can help other people understand sort of the process that we're trying to do as Dan said, to learn just so that we can get better. One of the things I picked up on that you just said, Gab, is uh, a frequent um, uh, bee in my bonnet it, that it, it's that this helps us to better serve families to provide services that they may not expect uh, from their summer camp, which I think builds trust and allows them you know, more tools to talk about us in their community. Uh, but it really does make a difference when we, when we can ask them outside of camp, what is hard about being a parent to you? And that gives us some ideas that may be just as simple as, um, you know, pulling that family aside from based on something you heard, pulling that family aside after everybody leaves and saying, you know, we have this, our camp has connected with a social worker or, you know, someone who's a a family counselor. Um, If you're struggling with one kid or a child of yours is, you know, I've heard families talk about how bullied their kids are at school and how much they appreciate camp because the kid is a place they can fit in. And, you know, it's a nice place to be able to step up and say, we have resources in our community that we would love to share with you and uh, be able to help out with that. And we even had a family that uh, a mother and a father that shared how much of a difficult time their daughter was having at school at the moment. Mm. And it was in, I think it was September. And so, um, she had had a hard time the whole year before with a group of girls and that was continuing. And afterwards we were able to have a conversation and they, and you know, we, I strongly suggested that sometimes at, at one point, if teachers aren't stepping in properly, or their school's not stepping in, just the parents to step in and say, we're moving to schools makes a big difference. Right. And they had, the school had never said that to them and they actually did move her to a different school and things were much, much better once November settled in. Um, I find it, I find that our, our families are insanely undereducated on the type of intentionality and readiness that we do. Yep. And I sometimes like to think of it as, you know, a high-end chef. And I think that people would be very surprised about a chef getting up at four o'clock in the morning, um, going to the market, you know, ta- you know, talking about the different types of cuts of meat or vegetables or whatever, and how they, you know, sharpen their knives the night before and how like all of these things, you know, at the end you're eating a, you know, a steak or a cauliflower or whatever. Yeah. You don't necessarily think about all the things that were done. And I think that, 
I think it's for a lot of parents, it's shocking. And I think for a lot of camp directors, it's shocking that they don't think that we put a lot of effort into it. So I think this is a place where you can really bridge that gap um, and, and help people understand that, that we we're really in this industry because we care. And I think that's, that's a, a, an education that we're tasked to do over and over again, Mm -hmm. but it's an opportunity. It's a wonderful opportunity. For sure. And that's such a good point, the over and over again. I mean, this is the camp director's life is having to reinvent staff every year. And, you know, the older I get, the more my staff stays the same age. And, you know, like we covered that three years ago. Why? Well, because you weren't here. And so it's it's another part of accepting the role as a camp director is understanding that this kind of education has to happen every year. You you know, you might put out a great blog post. You might, you know, you might put out that amazing video that, that Bert Cheryl put out five or six years ago. Um, and it was, everybody was such a hit or that Pocono Springs one about why five weeks that I loved so much last year. And it was a hit at the big time at the time, but camps have to remember to repeat those things. And that's the same thing with focus groups. You have to get these parents in and repeat the same messages. I think you eventually get better at them, but something that was, helpful and and um really stood out to your parents three or four years ago you can use again because you have such a different mix of parents and it'll give some parents have been there a long time a little bit of pleasure to say oh i already know uh and new parents can blow their minds again by some reintroducing some of these things and the simple act of making focus groups continuous happen every year um you know not waiting for a big incident to happen or not waiting for you know planning a big change to start to talk to your parents uh having this conversation over time builds trust and builds your capability as a camp to serve those families Gab, I like that you have done focus groups not just for families. Actually, before we go there, um, I want to talk about your staff focus groups. But um, for either of you, have there been specific target groups of families that that you have gone after? Uh, For me, uh, I'm a big fan of year two. Mm. I find that if we get our families into year three, they're almost lifers. So I'm a big fan of year two because they've, they've made it to that, that first year. Um, If I, if I go after our first year families, chances are they big chances are going to come back in the second year, but they find that there's a, a a cool insight in the second year because they, Mm. the the awe effect is gone. Um, So they've had it for a second year. And, um, and so the education is also a little bit low but something made them choose. So there's something kind of cool and magical about the second year families. Um, and sort of the, the world's their oyster still at that point. They're like, oh, she really liked it. Well, we'll send her back another year. And we just want to find out. And a lot of it has to do with the camper just enjoying themselves. Like, well, it seemed like it was a good experience. So we decided why not. And yeah. I find that that's a, it's a prime opportunity to educate them so we can get them locked in for that, for that, um, for that second year, our first year families, we put a lot of effort into surveys, put a lot of it. We call them after the experience, we call them during the experience. So there's a lot, there's a high already connectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, we have invited first year families. Uh, they come, but they're, they're, con- they don't know why they're there. 
Um, so we still do it, but I find our, our second years is, is where they, there's a little bit more of a buy-in yeah. and a little bit more of an insight. And, um, and, and it, it was a second year experience. So they didn't get all the sort of high connection that we usually give our first year uh, campers. Right. So that, I, I like those, those individuals with their insight. But um, I also find obviously fourth and fifth year families very important to con- have a conversation. Yeah. I just think in direction, um, your second years can give you some good stuff. That's cool. Dan, are you, you're targeting, you talk about targeting by area. Is that really the thing you're doing? Cause in your new job is just focus on, um, sort of a broader get to know you stuff. Yeah. You know, um, it's funny, like, uh, right now I'm, I'm just doing broad. Um, uh, but as I dive deep and I find, um, start finding more, um, issues with retention. Um, you know, like for instance, I looked at a few camps and uh, gender is not equal. So like there, I want to do a focus group with just, just parents of daughter of, of girls and, yeah. uh, where the was one camp has more boys and girls and that shouldn't, uh, you know, it should be about equal and figure out what's going on, where are we missing, you know? Um, so I think, I think you have to look at your statistics of where your holes are. Um, I think you have to, um, uh, you know, like the, the best camp directors I've met are the ones that are hungry for knowledge and hungry yeah. to know. And, you know, and that can admit that they're not perfect, you know, <laughs> and, um, yep. and, uh, those, those camp directors, um, you know, and they don't have to be the one to be like running the focus group. You know, if you, if it's hard for you to hear, there's, there's talented people out there that can run for you. Um, but, uh, they, it's just amazing what could come out, you know, like I, I, the, the misconceptions that can get spelled out. Like, you know, the, the one I just ran, um, I found that the parents were sending their kids to child cares, not yeah. camps. Right. So here I am thinking we got to sharpen our game of camp. We really have to explain why we're different than a child care. Right. You yeah. know, and uh, child care is basically and come there and today we're just doing this kids. Here we go. You know, and it's yeah. not bad. It, it is what it is. Um, but it's not the community and the feeling that a really transformational camp experience can have. And I would only know that from doing a focus group. I just, I was just looking at other summer camps. I just thought the parents were informed, you know? So like, yeah. I think it has, you have to be hungry to, to do better and to find out. And then from there, it's just about getting the right person to facilitate the group. And, and it could be a really powerful group, but, um, there's really driving my knowledge right, or my quest right now is just to figure out what makes this thing tick. Yeah. And then uh, from there, um, you know, Gab's had the benefit of being out of operation for a while and, and get start getting into the finer questions of, well, how can we do this better? How can we do that? Like I'll definitely be running a focus group for just parents of, of girls uh, pretty soon yeah. at this one branch because I need to know what's happened, you know? Right. Um, but, um, but Yeah. I, I think it is really important um, to consider bringing in somebody from the outside, whether it's a board member, an alumnus who has some skills, whether you hire somebody uh, to do some of this information gathering for you. Totally great. Even if you're in the room to listen, but you're not the facilitator, might be some good, um, a good tip as well. Uh, 
so yeah, that's I, I think that that's worth reiterating what Dan said. And um, shoot, there's something else you said that made me think of a really great question that'd be worth making sure. Um, uh, maybe I'll, it'll come back to me. It's something you said spawned in a little question in my head that I thought we should make sure we write that down. Um, it, Dan, for Dan, sorry, Gab, you run not just uh, uh, <laughs> I'm giving it away. You run not just parent things. You run staff focus groups too. Yep. I love running staff focus groups. Um, I like running staff focus groups. I love especially disgruntled staff uh, focus groups. So um, things that didn't go well the year before, I love sort of sitting in a room and saying, this didn't go well, let's talk about it. And um, I like talking about it in people's personal experiences and mm -hmm. then nobody coming in with a solution, but, um, but maybe together brainstorming solutions. So, the difference between the two is that sometimes somebody says, you just need to do this, or maybe we should have done this. And I find that that's as a director, that's sometimes frustrating when staff members make a suggestion because I've already done all of the things that they have suggested, or it's not very possible. But um, when we do it together, they already understand that I have experience and I'll tell them what has been done, why I think maybe things didn't work well. And then what do they think? Um, and then we go from there. So, um, but, but it helps me with my, um, training. And I, one of the things that I like bringing up is, um, I'll get from staff members that are returning staff members, maybe third or fourth year returning staff members. And I ask them, what did they wish new staff members and young staff members knew more about, you yeah. know? And then we talk about that and we say, how can we get them to get to that point? And, and often what happens is that they realize they need to, they need to be teaching on the job, not just during staff training. And I look, I show them the sessions that we've done and they, and they go, Oh yeah, we did do that session. Oh yeah, we did do that session. So what, so I say, what, what was missing during the summer? And then they're like, Oh, maybe we could have. And I was like, what you guys? Oh, well, if you want to this year, that would be great. Um, <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> you know me just trying to support. So, so the, the thing is, is that again, with the same thing with your family focus groups, it is about buy-in. It is about word of mouth marketing. And it's about also you as a director getting, getting direction. And, um, and that focus group is going to be, as we say in French, uh, so they're the ones that are going to be bringing the story to other people. And there's usually an excitement that comes with that. Um, and the thing is, is that they're part of it. And what I find helps seals the deal is, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later saying, after our conversation, here are some of the steps we're going to be taking this summer. And sometimes it's literally, it's not big. It's in our session, we're going to adjust these two uh, points. And yeah. during the summer, we're going to have a checkpoint in the first week and another checkpoint on the, on the sixth week. And just that staff are like, Oh, amazing. They're part of something and uh, they'll reinforce it. Um, but they learn how to talk about camp. They know, learn how to talk about camp professionally. And they also learn how to communicate uh, what they need to do to other staff members during the summer. So they become your, you know, support staff. Um, and it's also things like one of the reasons why we've gone from, you know, hour long sessions of lecturing to 15 minutes where people would say, I just stopped listening. It's too much yeah. information. Okay. Well, this is, 
you know, I hear you. Let's, we have to change it. Like the, the reality is we, sometimes you have to change things. So, yeah. um, but it's, it's really the buy-in piece and it's a togetherness. So, you know, that you're yep. creating a sense of togetherness and, you yeah. know, you have to have food when you're meeting with staff. You do. Yeah. You got to feed them. <laughs> yeah I, um candy and water though go very far away with families <laughs> too, yeah. just putting it out there yeah starburst i like always have starburst because nobody really has a allergy to starburst and, and right. water right. available <laughs> and then um i always try to put out fresh fruit like bananas or something you know but mm. yeah that's awesome uh anything else that you think you really want to pass on about focus groups dan um, you, you said it earlier and I just want to reemphasize it. Um, I, I, there's nothing more vulnerable for me than talking about my children mm-hmm. and, um, just thinking about them having a negative experience, um, let alone an impactful one that's going to stay with them for years can bring me to tears. And yep. just, um, I think you or whoever's facilitating needs to create that space where it's okay to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and, if they say something that you're not attacking them, uh, if you don't like what they're saying, you could do that. I, I would love to follow up with you, but right. yeah. um, it's so vulnerable to talk about your children. Uh, like I, I started explaining it to um, to teenagers of like what it's like to be a parent, and the yeah. way I've explained it is: so picture you're in love, and not just like normal love, like you're crazy in love, like the type of love that literally makes your brain go crazy. Yeah. And now take that love and times at times two, because you feel like your child's part of you. Mm-hmm. And now take away any lust because you, uh, that's not something you'd have towards your, your child and yeah. add more love in there. And that's the amount of love a parent has for their child, but literally a crazy amount of love that just is never ending. And, um, and with love comes fear, you know, and mm-hmm. vulnerability and just, yeah, I just, I just can't reemphasize enough to, to really, um, you know, if you're running a focus group and that thing's running long, you can't end it. I, the last one I ran for, for two and a half hours, I yep. came home, I got yelled at by my wife. Right. I, I didn't, you know, I still would have ran it that long. Um, I started bagging my stuff up about two, two hours in because I was like, this was supposed to be an hour, you know, yeah. and they kind of got the hint, but they kept going. Right. Uh, but I caught them in the parking lot afterwards, all chatting and, and, you know, they emailed me afterwards, told me how great it was and how they made a friend, you know. So just know um, that you're, you provide something special no matter what if it's summer or not, you know, and to respect that vulnerability. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. My, um, my, uh, my niece's uh, mother said that it felt like, um, her heart was running around unprotected outside of her body. (laughs) I was like, yep, that's, that sounds probably pretty accurate. Um, I had a, I had an opportunity to work with, um, Jay McCutcheon who does, uh, camp consulting and, um, you know, advise you on business decisions, et cetera, et cetera. And, and she would do these fresh eye tours, which you'd come to your camp, evaluate your camp with her, you know, her own eyes and you'd have a conversation. And I remember telling her she was available just before the summer. And I remember saying to her, you know what, not this summer. Cause I have a lot of things I want to change. Can we do that next summer? And she said, <laughs> she said, I understand. Um, there's always things that do need to be changed, but let me come this summer because I want you to have confidence in the things that you're going to want to change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. Sometimes when we're hesitant to do um, these focus groups, you already know what you want to fix. You already know that maybe your registration 
um, system isn't the best, or maybe you could do more newsletters and outreach, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you have a list of to-dos. Um, don't think of your focus group as something afterwards you're going to have a whole extra list of to-dos. For me, it creates more confidence in yourself right. in the direction that you're going. So if you're like, yes, we actually do need to get get a new registration system, you already knew that and it's getting confirmation. So you're confident in that decision or actually everybody in the room is fine with it. So you can put your energy somewhere else. Right. So all camp directors have a lot of to-do lists. We it will never end. Um, but, but this piece is, it's going to help you in feeling confident. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, it is marketing the best parts of your camp. Um, and it's creating those individuals that are able to sneeze that information out to other people. So, yeah. Uh, not to be too, not to be too afraid of it. I I'm going to stick this in almost as a a sneaky second tool of the week. Uh, but we had a discussion in CampMavericks.com this week that with our monthly book club, we did a, a book called The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker, and uh, it's a really fascinating book and great discussion that we had. And and she talks about some of the things I think would be really helpful for the. Um, not the informal, hey, can I take one family out for coffee and and just get a little bit of insight, but a more formal bring everybody together um, meeting. And so I would advise you to check that out. It's a really great book. Uh, Priya's got tons of good online interviews and a TED Talk, more than one TED Talk, but a TED, TED main stage talk. And um it's really interesting stuff. And she really talks about the idea of getting them off their script, getting the people in the room off their script. And so I think some of the questions that uh, people have been, that, that Gavin and Dan have been talking about that work for them, I think it's important to just sort of shake people up a little bit and help them just open up, as Dan said, to work on, on getting them to open up. So if you found this useful, uh, I would invite you, everyone who is um, listening to this on their phone, um, if you found this discussion useful, I would love it if you would just take a screenshot of this show so they can see the title and text it to a camp director friend. Uh, the way that we spread the word about these shows is through um, through you telling other people. So if you're on YouTube and watching us there, then um, screenshot this uh on YouTube and and send it out to a friend. Um, tell them why you like the episode. That's incredibly helpful to us. Uh, also, if you want to leave a review on iTunes because you're inspired by this discussion, you can go to camphacker.tv slash iTunes and find that there. So then this moves us on to our tool of the week. Tool of the week. If you have been shared this episode by a friend who screenshotted it and texted it to you and don't know about the tool of the week, we ask our panelists every time to bring a tool, something that makes them a better camp director. And um, I'm going to begin with mine. Um, I'm inspired by this tool because um, it's it's an idea that I love. And I want to thank Seth, who is a longtime Patreon supporter of the Camp Hacker podcast for sending me some stickers from his camp, Arrowwood in Tennessee. And um, 
if you know me, you know that I love stickers. But Seth had a really great idea that I that I really love. And, and we've done it at the camp that I'm on the board of. We've done it with some clients as well. And that is to provide some stickers that are kind of inside jokes. Um, so I'll have to describe this. I'll show it to people who are watching on YouTube, but I'll describe it to people who are listening. Sticker number one is a brown old Ford like a cartoon style illustration style Ford F-150 with a whole bunch of inner tubes in the back of it. Uh, and um, I messaged Seth and I said, obviously going out uh, tubing with your kids is a big deal. And he said, interesting thing is that this is from a long time ago. It's the alumni's memory. I was like, oh, that's so smart. Do something that um, celebrates a certain time in, in, in your camp's history and people will love it. And I think it could be a great fundraiser. It'd be the sort of sticker that, like a sticker of your logo is awesome and you should definitely make those, but I love ones that are about the community and would get the community to buy into it. And the other one that I absolutely adore is a sticker of an algae covered in stickers. And um, it used a whole bunch of previous generation of Arrowwood stickers. So Seth, this is such a great idea. Um, made me laugh out loud when I saw it, um, that it is a water bottle covered in camp stickers. And um, I thought it was just such a great idea. So my, my tool is, um, you can go to the show notes and see the link to Sticker Mule, which is the company that we use all the time because they have great deals on all the time. And um, go have some good inside joke um, or inside the communities, things that only the community would recognize and make those into stickers. That's my tool. Gab Butchers. I love the sticker idea, by the way. I love it. Um, we're definitely doing that. Um, so mine is um, registering your dog, your camp dog as a service dog. It's actually perhaps a lot easier than a lot of people think. Um, so the reason why I came to this is that for as long as I can remember, we've had camp dogs at Waro. And then for a period of maybe eight years, we didn't have a dog because my parents were not ready to get a new dog. It was emotional and they weren't ready and that is fine. But now they have a new dog. And because we always had dogs before, we never had issues with people coming to camp nervous about dogs. It was just part of our community. It was well known. Our camp staff and campers were used to it. And then having a dog now in camp, um, some families are anxious about the dog. Some staff members are very anxious about the dog. And um, when I told one of our families that we're, working on our dog to become a service dog, all of a sudden she was so excited that her daughter is going to be in the presence of a service dog. Um, and it's, it, you know, there's simple things, for example, your dog needs to be able to sit on command um, that they don't get distracted by noise um, that in restaurants, they wouldn't, you know, go for food. So there's simple things that I think most camp dogs are capable of doing. Um, and I think as a marketing tool, it's very mm -hmm. cool to have on your website that you have service dogs or therapy dogs or emotional support dogs, whatever category your dog fits into. So uh, maybe get look into getting your dog certified. Such a great idea. Thanks, Gab. I love it. Dan, what's your idea? What's your tool? Yeah. Um, so um, this book is um, the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. And um, it's written by two brilliant authors. Um, you know, I think camp as a whole, most camp supervisors find it's natural to, to show appreciation to their staff um, in terms of community. But I think the thing that we always forget is that we're always going to have first-time managers underneath us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes first-time managers, um, they'll have a void in knowledge. 
And if they have avoided knowledge, that's where bad habits can happen. And so um, this is just a really great book that really spells out um, why appreciating um, and appreciate culture of appreciation in the workplace matters. It breaks it down by styles. It goes into statistics a bit about it. Um, it just, you know, like as people are running year-round operations, as people are expanding um, what they're offering, uh, I think people should always figure out how to include the appreciation of what they're doing. You know, two focus. Um, they always talk about how American businesses are too focused on growth and not focus enough on appreciation along along with the growth. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's just a just a very simple, straightforward read and um, very well thought out and um, yeah, just good stuff um, and good to train your staff with. So that is awesome. Great idea. Thanks, Dan. Uh, and thank you both. And thank you, everyone who's listening. Um, I come back to my tool just for one instance, because I wanted to show you that we actually had, um, as you've listened to the show, you may know that I always close this off with thanks for the evening, friends, which is something very can't be. Uh, and we have thanks for the evening, friends, stickers made just for podcast listeners. So if you run into me, ask me. Um, I'm happy to share those to the uh, Camp Parker Podcaster listener stickers. Uh, and in truth, I was just a little jealous of the Camp Code stickers that Gab made for them, uh, for their listeners. And so I got some of these made for you. Um, so thank you all very much for listening. Thanks to, to Dan and Gab for um, sharing so many ideas. Gab, if people want to follow up with you, how can they get in touch with you? Well, they can email me at gabs at waro.com, O-U-A-R-E-A-U, or they can follow me on Instagram at Gabrielle Rail. Excellent. Thanks, Gab. Thanks. Dan? Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at DanLovesCamp. And uh, my email address is Dan dot we're at ymcali.org excellent thanks dan it's good to have you here thank you uh, yeah happy to be here and uh we always appreciate if you're watching on youtube give us a thumbs up or show the show um i hope you do subscribe if this is the first time you're finding us on youtube uh if you're a longtime listener and not a youtube watcher um I, I think the best thing is that we hold up the tools of the week so you can see what we're talking about when we, when we post <laughs> these to YouTube. So um, the last thing I would say is a thank you to Matt, the, the executive producer of podcasting for GoCamp Pro for all the work he does on the show and um, for doing the editing and posting and writing the blog posts. If you want to see Matt's show notes, see the tool the tools of the weeks anything that we talked about in the show, please go to camphacker.tv slash podcast. This is episode 119. If you want to search camphacker.tv to see what show. And um, yeah, we want to thank everybody for this. I imagine that the show is going to come out in about a month. So it'll probably be prime holiday time for most people when the show comes out. So we do want to wish you happy holidays and uh, thank you for being here. Thanks for the evening friends. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.